0: So let's continue. We're on page 153. And yesterday, what, we, what he, he was explaining was actually the concept of how it is that we can say that Hashem is speaking. It doesn't mean Hashem is speaking. He is creating the same exact form, same exact um, n- natural sound is being created through a different format, okay? Now, over here, it's interesting. I noticed as I was preparing is that the Khazari is kind of transitioning here because the Khazarian king is now making some of his own intuitive steps or deductive reasoning to go from what he's being taught by the rabbi to now making his own reasoning. Okay? So that's an interesting transition that we're watching happen. The Kuzari said, I now understand the intricate concept of God's attributes. I also now understand the concepts of the glory of God, emissaries of God, angels, and the divine presence. These terms are used for those things which appear before prophets and other heralds of God. For example, a pillar of cloud, a consuming fire, cloud, thick cloud, fire, and brightness. Okay. Um, he hasn't yet explained how he understands it because I, I kind of missed it. That reasoning went over my head. So let's see what he says and explain what, what this idea is. As an analogy, when it is light outside in the early morning, before sunrise, or in the early evening, after sunset, or on a cloudy day, we say that the light is shining directly from the sun, even though the sun is hidden. In other words, we say, we call that sunshine, right? We don't, we don't differentiate that before, the, before the, the, um, the earth, before the sun has risen above the horizon, that it's not called sunlight. We call that sunlight, right? But this is not correct. Rather, the sun's light is refracted off the objects which are situated in front of the sun, and it is those objects which reflect that light to us. Because remember, he does believe that there isn't a an orbit right that he, he's not he um, doesn't think that there's no orbit he just thinks that the orbit is the opposite direction right that the sun is orbiting the earth the rabbi said that's correct and in like manner the glory of god is a reflection of divine light which provides benefit to his people and <clears throat> and his land okay i'm not going to try to explain that more because like just like philosophy is not really my my cup of tea um metaphysics is also not something that i have um a great background then Maybe after we finish this book, we'll all have, we'll have a better understanding. The Kuzari said, your statement regarding his people is clear to me, but your statement about his land is difficult to accept. And This is going to be a very interesting detour when we discuss the concept that Hashem has more of a eye, more of a hashgacha, more of a watching providence, a divine providence over the land of Israel and other lands that exist. The rabbi said it should not be difficult to understand how one land can be more distinguished than others. You yourself see how one place cultivates a certain type of plant more successfully than other places or is richer in a certain mineral or is better for a certain kind of livestock. And you see how the inhabitants of one particular region are distinguished from other people in their appearance and behavior. Additionally, one's physical constitution will determine the completeness or deficiency of one's soul. Therefore, one can also see how one region is more attuned to spirituality than another. Now, this is something which we perhaps is not as acceptable today to say as it used to be. Um, you know, in terms of livestock, perhaps, in terms of like a terroir, right, in terms of like wine, perhaps, in terms of saying the inhabitants of one particular region are distinguished, that's not as acceptable today to say as it used to be. That's not necessarily an indication that it's not true, but it's just a fact that it's not as acceptable today. But once again, it is true. Now, when you think about it, in terms of how, what the production or yield of a specific region is vis-a-vis land, vis-a-vis, sorry, vis-a-vis plant, vis-a-vis minerals, vis-a-vis livestock. Now, not just that, but also different places raise people differently, right? So we would call that the, the product of nature. Additionally, one's physical constitution will determine the completeness or deficiency of one's soul. This is a very interesting idea, and this is something which is discussed, which is discussed in the sages at great length, right, the extent to which we assume that the external body reflects internalities, right, or internal realities, I should say. That's a question. Therefore, one can also see how one region is more attuned to spirituality than another. The same way that the physical world and physical appearances of individuals actually has a bearing on their spiritual capacity. So to physical lands, which would seem to not be something related to spirituality at all, because now you're just talking about a geographic location. Why is something that is in the completely physical world, why should that have any bearing on a spiritual capacity? However, we are now going to explain why one region actually makes them. The Kuzari said, I have not heard that the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael have any advantage over anyone else in the world. The rabbi said, this is like your mountain. You say that it has exceptional vineyards. Nevertheless, if the grapevine were not planted on it, or if its soil were not cultivated properly, it would not produce grapes. The land's distinguished qualities are manifest first and foremost in the nation, which is the elite and heart. As I've already discussed, they're like the vines in the analogy. The land is then aided by the deeds and laws of the Torah that relate to it, which are like the cultivation of the vineyard. Ultimately, this elite nation cannot achieve divinity anywhere else, just as the vineyard cannot successfully grow anywhere else except on the mountain. So what he's saying is you might not have realized that there actually are two variables taking place over here. The two variables are that the people of Israel have to be there in the land of Israel and the people of Israel have to be in the land of Israel doing the proper behavior for them to become this distinguished individuals. You might not make the you might make the mistake of thinking that that is just due to the Jewish people and not a confluence of the fact that it is the Jewish people in the land of Israel. So if you take one without the other, it will be diminished. So people living in the land of Israel doesn't automatically make them subject to more of a divine providence. And if the Jewish people are living elsewhere, they won't achieve divinity the same way they will in the land of Israel. Now, parenthetically, Rabbi Huda HaLevi was a great, great lover of the land of Israel, as we say. He was a python. He was a poet. And some of the, the deepest yearnings of the, the songs that we sing on Tisha B'Av, on the ninth of Av, when we mourn for the loss of the temple, some of the deepest, most, most poignant writings come from him in terms of his, his heart yearning to be in the land of Israel, right? So this is something that he actually lived out. It wasn't just hypothetical. It wasn't just an intellectual desire. It was a physical, uh, almost a physical and certainly an emotional pull that he had in the land of Israel. The Kuzari asked, but how can that be? From Adam to Moshe, we find prophecy in other lands. Abraham prophesied in Orkazdam, which is in uh, you know, Turkey or, or uh, somewhere close to Turkey. And both Ezekiel and Daniel were prophets in Babylon. And Yermio, Jeremiah, prophesied in Egypt. The rabbi said, anyone who prophesied did so either in Eretz Yisrael or for Eretz Yisrael's sake, for the land of Israel's sake. Abraham prophesied in order to travel to Eretz Yisrael. Micheskel and Daniel, Ezekiel and Daniel, prophesied for the sake of Eretz Yisrael, namely that the Jewish people would eventually return from their exile to their land. And furthermore, they lived during the first temple era, and so the divine presence in it. Anyone who had properly prepared himself during this time attained the elite level of prophecy due to its presence, the presence of the base of the temple. I'm sorry, the divine presence. Hence, their attainment of prophecy was also due to their prior dwelling in the land of Israel. Okay, so in other words, either Abraham prophesied before he went to the land of Israel, but that was to receive the message to go to the land of Israel. The other prophets who prophesied while out of the land of Israel, they were impacted and affected by the fact that they were in the land of Israel for multiple years before they actually came to outside of Israel, where they actually prophesied. And that's why they actually were able to prophesize as well. As for Adam, Herod's Israel was the land from which he was created, and it was there that he died, according to our tradition, which tells us that there are four couples buried in the cave of Machpelah, Adam and Chava, Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebecca, and Jacob and Leah. These are the four couples who are buried there. In other words, Adam himself was buried there. So he's saying, one second, can you say, you asked me from Adam, and I can't show you, we're going to show you that Adam was prophesying in the land of Israel. Gan Eden is not in the land of Israel, presumably, right? We have some sort of a sense where Gan Eden is assuming that it is an actual physical space as well, and it's not in the land of Israel, Right. So what do I mean? I mean that Eretz Israel was the land for which he was created and, and he ultimately dies there and he is buried in the cave of Machpelah, which is in the land of Israel. So his primary, his primary dwelling place was the land of Israel and therefore the land of Israel is the only place that has this high level of spiritual attuning or attunement, I guess, where people can actually prophesize whether it is for the sake of going to the land of Israel or whether it is when you're actually in the land of Israel. Now, There are those who argue on this point. The Gemara sounds like it is only before the Jews go into the land of Israel that it is possible to prophesy outside of the land of Israel. Once the Jews go into the land of Israel en masse, then prophecy is actually limited to the land of Israel. You're still going to have to answer Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah prophesy outside of Israel after the Jews come into the land of Israel in the times of Joshua. But in other words, the Adam. Moshe, Abraham, that's not a question according to the Gemara, because this rule that you needed to be in the land of Israel to receive prophecy, right, to open up your, your frequency on your transistor radio to get the right prophecy, to get that communication, that law only comes into effect once the Jews actually were in the land of Israel on masse. Okay. Fine. To be continued tomorrow night, as Hashem. Take care, guys. Be well. Good night.